Welcome to today's edition of the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm your host, Lori Boyer. In addition to feature reports, I'll bring you a look at regional and national agricultural news. And the show starts with a look at California agricultural news. The California Irrigation Institute's 62nd Annual Conference will be held on February 26th and 27th. The theme this year is Fluid Futures Adapting to Extremes. The conference will take place at the Hilton Sacramento Art and West in Sacramento. The event will begin with a general session on Monday starting at 8.30 with welcome and introductions. And then the first presentation is called The View from Space, From Global Water to Regional Applications for Resource Water Management. The day will continue with a response panel. And then we'll continue on Monday afternoon with split sessions addressing agricultural and urban issues. The event will continue into Tuesday morning with leveraging artificial intelligence to maximize water use presentations. There will also be exhibitor sessions. For more information about the upcoming event, contact the California Irrigation Institute. California, often the country's leader in environmental regulation, has invested roughly $200 million from 2015 to 2022 to expand dairy digestion. The state says such funding has resulted in a 25% reduction in methane emissions from dairies. However, the real cost of digesters is debatable, according to the Center for Food Safety report. While state regulators claim dairy digesters cost $9 per ton of carbon dioxide abated, the true cost is $159 per ton when all public funding and market Market incentives are considered. That takes the state's estimate of $195 million in total costs for 117 digester projects up to $589 million for the projects. California's subsidized and incentive approach to livestock methane is costly for taxpayers and lucrative for factory farm gas producers and investors, according to Phoebe Seaton, co-director of the Leadership Council for Justice and Accountability. She says more alarming still, the profit incentives associated with producing factory farm gas in California entrenches and intensifies harmful farming practices. A spokesperson for the California Department of Food and Agriculture said in a statement to Agriculture Dive that it could not immediately address cost concerns surfaced in a report without consulting the California Air Resources Board. However, the agency refuted claims the digesters accelerate industry consolidation or are more harmful to the environment than fossil fuels. The agency also noted that consolidation predates the state's dairy digester program, which first began issuing grants in 2015. California lost 512 dairy farms from 2007 to 2017, with experts attributing the decline to pressures of urbanization and environmental regulations. With global almond production surging, a notable uptick in almond prices is on the horizon for the next 12 to 18 months. The dip in production through 2022 and 2023, combined with a resurgence in worldwide demand, is poised to push ending stocks to a four-year high. The scenario is characterized by a lean carry-in into 2024, which is laying the groundwork for a potential recalibration of prices at a more robust level. While almond output is projected to scale to new heights in the next five years, so too are domestic and international shipments expected to increase. The slashing of Indian tariffs is notably propelling export vigor for both the U.S. and Australia. Furthermore, the almond market's momentum is bolstered by health and plant-based dietary trends, ascending incomes, subdued inflation, and vigorous marketing campaigns, although it faces challenges such as geopolitical tensions, logistical hurdles, and the unpredictability of energy costs, not to mention the intensifying competition within the tree nut sector. 
With a respite from stormy weather, farmers say they are surveying for damage and waiting for the ground to dry so they can assess fields and orchards to make repairs or do other practices. Historic and deadly storms that brought two weeks of rain and powerful winds to California led to mudslides, flooding, and widespread power outages, as well as related evacuations. A state of emergency was declared for eight Southern California counties. Even with farming challenges caused by the storms, farmers say they are grateful for the winter weather, which adds water to the state. California leads a nation in organic agricultural production, accounting for more than $14 billion in organic sales and 36% of the U.S. organic market in 2021. Yet research has lagged behind the exponential growth of organic farming in the state. Now that trend may be changing thanks to an increasing focus on supporting organic studies and information sharing. With organic studies drawing increasing funding interest, researchers and growers are looking to identify potential study areas that are best connected to -to day-to-day challenges of organic farming. Before California's recent rains, this season's mandarin crop was looking fairly light industry-wide. This was largely due to the alternate bearing nature of the W. Mercot mandarins. That said, the recent rains have postponed the harvest of mandarins recently. The rains have kept harvesting at bay, especially in growing regions with clay soils, where the water is retained for more days. Regions with sandy soils got into their fields sooner. That according to Dieter Schellenberg of Schellenberg Farms. And that's adding to the already light supply situation. Schellenberg says it's tough because he has heard from some producers that they're 30% up this year and they're probably 30% down. While it varies throughout the whole industry, it seems to be lighter because of that alternate bearing, he says, adding that sizing is looking good, though generally it's a lot smaller fruit. Schellenberg says that it's strange because the maturity seems to have come a lot earlier than normal, maybe seven to 10 days earlier. Adding to the lighter crop is also a thrip issue in the season. In the Central Valley region, many areas were hit hard by citrus thrips. One theory is due to the heavy rain last year. It created an environment where thrip was able to multiply in grassy areas and come out of those grassy areas into orchards during bloom, he said. A lot of growers had to spray very aggressively to keep on top of that. And even though they did, there was a lot of damage. That's another thing that is forcing production down this season. In turn, packouts are down and there could be more choice grade fruit available. As for demand, it's good and leaving the market pricing strong at the moment. Schellenberg says that he expects that to continue through the season. He thinks it's going to be a pretty normal season length, but he does not think that there's going to be a ton of volume by late June, and it's going to get pretty short around April. The fresh produce industry around the world is at the forefront of experiencing the tangible effects of climate change. In regions like California, recent weather patterns have brought about unseasonably high rainfall, which goes beyond typical seasonal fluctuations. This is a manifestation of the broader climatic shifts that are affecting the environment, according to Jose Fu of CCH Citrus. He says while the weather events are not unprecedented, their intensity is a clear signal of change in climatic conditions. The shifts lead to more pronounced droughts and rainfall and floods, overall a greater extremity in weather patterns. He says last year's wet season in California brought with it not just a change in the size and quality of the citrus they grow, but also heightened the battle with pests and diseases, including invasive species like fruit fly populations. These changes are posing significant questions about the long-term shifts in growing conditions and highlight the need for increased awareness. It's not just about the immediate impact on crop productivity and quality. It's about understanding and responding to these changes proactively, he says. Initiatives like USA's Fresh Produce Purchase Programs exemplify the importance of awareness. The programs aim to supply fresh, healthy produce to underserved communities, which is crucial. 
Food says, however, when environmental challenges affect the cosmetic appearance of fruits like grapefruits, they're reminded of the need for flexibility in their grade specifications and standards in those programs. He points out that while the USDA's specification for fancy grade fruit is well-intentioned, it could benefit all communities in a supply chain from accommodating choice grade fruit, which, despite its light scars, is equally nutritious and flavorful. The issue with intense insect pressure caused by the intense climate conditions is a prime example. The scarring these insects cause does not affect the fruit's taste or nutritional value, yet such fruits are often excluded from aid programs based on appearance alone. This brings to light a broader conversation about sustainability, reducing food waste, and the need to create a more efficient approach to resource utilization. In times of climatic adversity, it is essential to consider the benefits of inclusivity in quality standards, especially when a produce, in this case fresh citrus, is destined for community support programs. This is not just about adapting to climate change. It's about reshaping the approach to food quality to ensure that no resource is wasted and every opportunity to nourish is seized. He goes on to say, this approach focuses on the broader implications and solutions, advocating for a systemic response to the impacts of climate change and fostering a mindset of sustainability and adaptability. And the roots can't move. They can't move the, the water. They they are asphyxiated. They, they can't get enough oxygen to actually take up the water. And the tree collapses within two days or so. And so you see all these brown, tan-colored leaves hanging in the tree. UCCE Subtropical Farm Advisor Ben Faber warning about the effects of asphyxiation on citrus trees as a result of too much water being trapped in the root zone by mulch. While this isn't a typical issue for citrus trees, it can be during extreme wet years like the one growers experienced in 2023, and any asphyxiation that occurs has the potential to collapse mature trees and kill young ones. This, of course, isn't to discourage the practice of mulching citrus, which has been shown through extensive research to provide multiple benefits to trees and soil. Mulching is a way of blanketing the earth and the earth doesn't like I'm, I'm talking kind of like an earthy but if you don't put something on the earth something's going to arrive there and you may not like it so you know you put asphalt down you put cement down you put cover crop down you spray herbicides but you then you can be fighting all the time so mulch is another way of you know covering the earth and what it does is it insulates it from a lot of different things. So sunlight, so the soil doesn't heat up as much, but that means in the wintertime it could be colder than bare soil. Um, it covers it so that when rain falls, you know, you don't get runoff, you get more infiltration. So it, it, it improves soil moisture holding content after a rain. Um, it reduces erosion if you have any, any slope at all, you know, we, you know, people say there's no slope out there. Well, there's always slope. And if you get enough rain and you get saturation, you're going to get runoff and you're going to get erosion. So, you know, mulch is protecting that surface so that you don't get erosion. So it keeps weeds down so you have less competition for water, which is good. But in the case of, um, you know, a wet year, because it does insulate um 
so that you don't get evaporative loss, uh, it maintains soil moisture. So if the, the soil gets wet and stays wet, um, like we happened in 1997, 98, where it rained every week, every week it came down, we'd get an inch, get an inch. And it's like, that's good up until a point, but um, we had, you know, citrus and avocados just collapsing from asphyxiation because there was never ever an opportunity for air entry. Uh, it was always wet, it was always saturated, and uh, mulch can exacerbate that. One of the things that mulch does is that it adds organic matter that promotes all those little bugs and stuff and worms, and, and that improves infiltration. So it opens up the soil. The increased water holding capacity aspect of mulching becomes an unintended consequence for grubbers when the rain comes and doesn't stop. Faber explained more the ways in which trees are affected in this situation. So a young tree will die. And I would say basically, you know, because it doesn't have an elaborated system. It doesn't have ground seeking roots that find environments that have air. Whereas a mature tree, it'll collapse, but they, they come back, you know, so I, I've seen this time and time again, that, that, you know, 30 year old uh, lemon trees go down and, you, you know, when something collapses, it goes down really fast. And it, it's usually because, you know, the, the weather is kind of cool and it's wet and then, it, and then suddenly the Santa Ana kicks in and you get it this intense demand for transpirational um, water use and, and the roots can't move. They can't move the, the, the water. They, they, they are asphyxiated. They, they can't get enough oxygen to actually take up the water. And the tree collapses within two days or so. And so you see all these brown tan colored leaves hanging in the tree. Well, you know, given several weeks or so that gradually the the buds start pushing and you know it comes out of it and you know and it's all dependent on the soil drying out too mature trees rarely die but boy it's a pretty dramatic effect when they do go down mitigation measures include pulling back the mulch at the base of the tree to allow the sun to dry out the soil and the crown to be exposed to air it's a lot of work, Faber said, but that's the solution. Ultimately, though, these conditions are something that should be anticipated as early as when planting trees. You know, if you're on flat ground, pinball flat ground, you want to put on trees onto berms or, you know, mounds or something like that. A, a, a rolling surface, you know, it doesn't have to be three feet high, it can be 18 inches high, but you know, something so that it can shed the water off the... The, the immediate crown, it's the crown area that's the important uh, zone. You know, if you can keep the crown, and you know what I'm talking about, the crown, you know, the, the stem, the trunk goes into the ground, and then you get the flare coming out right. of the, the, the major roots. Okay, those major roots make up the crown. So if you can make up uh, a zone that's two or three feet away from the, the uh, trunk, so that those crown roots can stay at least somewhat aerated, um, it's, it's going to have a better chance. You're listening to My Ag Life. I'm Taylor Tallstrom.
Federal funding is available under the Value-Added Producer Grants Program to help farmers and ranchers generate new products and create marketing opportunities. The U.S. Department of Agriculture may award up to $75,000 for planning activities or up to $250,000 for capital expenses related to producing and marketing value-added agricultural products. USDA said it is interested in proposals for initiatives aimed at reducing pollution and increasing resilience to impacts of climate change. Some $31 million in funding is available available through the program. Sparks flew at the House Ag Committee as Democrats and Republicans stood their ground on farm bill differences, and USDA Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack defended his handling of existing programs. He immediately came under election year fire from Ag Chair Glenn G.T. Thompson. And what seemingly is a daily occurrence, taxpayer dollars are being sent to every corner of the country, yet nothing has changed. We're not producing more fertilizer. We're not reducing the cost of production. We're not making food more affordable. However, we are burdening the taxpayer. We're losing ground on the world stage, and we are a net agricultural importer. Vilsack had a different view. The last three years of net cash farm income were record-setting. The best three years in the last 50 years in this country. This year's income projected at just below historical norms will make it the best four years in recent history. But Republicans argued farm income was down last year, while USDA data projects an even sharper drop on lower prices this year. Vilsack jousted with Republicans on everything from grocery prices to snap cuts and echoed panel Democrats that the answer is not to pair SNAP and IRA climate dollars that boost farm income. Ag appropriations talked about an 18 percent cut to our budget, so you can do the math. Maintain the IRA funding. Let's get a budget. Pass a farm bill so there's certainty in, in terms of the programs. But almost halfway through a one-year farm bill extension, Chair Thompson admitted the obvious. There remain significant headwinds to Congress's success. It's virtually impossible to create a robust and resilient farm safety net without significant investment. And so far, Ag Democrats insist Republicans must take no for an answer on repurposing SNAP or climate spending for safety net programs. USA recently released the 2022 Census of Agriculture and some of the latest data involving the ag sector. USA Ag News reporter Rod Bain. Fewer farms in the U.S., yet more new and beginning and young farmers. Some of the top takeaway points from the 2022 Census of Agriculture. It allows us to take a snapshot in time, allows us to compare what has occurred over the five-year period. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack, among those presenting the findings Tuesday from the once-every-five-year look at our nation's ag sector. Other notable data points from the census, U.S. farmland makes up almost 40% of our nation's total land. Family farms constitute 95% of all farms in America. The response rate to the 2022 Census of Ag, 61%, with more than 40% of those survey responses submitted online. Also online, the complete 2022 Census of Ag, available at www.nass.usda.gov slash agcensus, all one word. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. Given that 2024 is a presidential election year, expectations for significant progress in agricultural issues are relatively low, according to the National Milk Producers Federation Senior Vice President of Member Services and Governance, Chris Galen. 
there's not much that is going to be done here in Washington. And, and I think this week we've seen evidence of that already, which is where in the Senate they've been negotiating for months on a package that would fund the uh, efforts, uh, the anti-Russian efforts in Ukraine, and couple that with new policies and regulations having to do with the southern border. So there's this border security supplemental funding package that was worked on in the Senate, and now that it's seen the light of day, Already, you've got people who are part of the negotiations walking away from it. And, and a lot of that is because it's being talked about on the campaign trail. I think that just goes to show you that it makes it very difficult for whichever party is in control to advance anything that is at all controversial or that at all could be something that someone running for office this fall is going to campaign on. Galen says the 2024 presidential campaign is set to influence progress on a new farm bill. It's imperative for the House and Senate to finalize it by spring or early summer before elections gain momentum and times run out. USA recently released the 2022 Census of Agriculture and some of the latest data involving the ag sector. USA Ag News reporter Rod Bain. Fewer farms in the U.S., yet more new and beginning and young farmers. Some of the top takeaway points from the 2022 Census of Agriculture. It allows us to take a snapshot in time, allows us to compare what has occurred over the five-year period. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack, among those presenting the findings Tuesday from the once-every-five-year look at our nation's ag sector. Other notable data points from the census, U.S. farmland makes up almost 40% of our nation's total land. Family farms constitute 95% of all farms in America. The response rate to the 2022 Census of Ag, 61%, with more than 40% of those survey responses submitted online. Also online, the complete 2022 Census of Ag, available at www.nass.usda.gov slash agcensus, all one word. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. And the Department of Agriculture has announced a $20 million investment to support indigenous communities in accessing emerging climate markets. The funding distributed through competitive grants administered by the USDA Forest Service will help recipients access emerging private markets for forest resilience, climate mitigation, and water quality. JCS Marketing is your number one way to connect with the ag industry. Through print magazines, digital media, podcasts, and live and virtual events, JCS Marketing has the reach to inform, educate, and influence growers in the Western United States. Everywhere you go, you see West Coast Net Magazine on every one of my customers' tables. So that tells you everything. It's there, so they're reading it. Our My Ag Life platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go. Our live events, continuing education webinars, and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry leaders. Let JCS Marketing help you connect. That will wrap up today's show. You've been listening to the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm Lori Boyer. From all of us here at the JCS Marketing Team, thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.